as much as anything, it was all the theatre um, of the service from uh, the head waiter there, Jose Ramon Calvo. Um, it was just absolutely brilliant. Restaurants would be nothing without their customers, and there is no more loyal, uh, committed, and appreciative customer of restaurants that I know than the person we are going to speak to as part of Dirty Linen's summer series today. His name is Jeff Brady. He is a Melbourne vet. Uh, he's the original Thermomix blogger. Uh, he's the person that I knew I needed to speak to first when I even thought about doing Thermomix books many years ago. Uh, Jeff Brady, I am really thrilled to welcome you to Dirty Linen today. Well, thank you very much for the invitation. Jeff, uh, you are just, you're someone that will travel far to eat. You will plan journeys around food and you're also, yeah, a very keen diner in Australia. I am really, I'm really sorry that I asked you to narrow it down to three favourite meals, but I am really curious to know what you've chosen. Yeah, okay. I think um, it's a bit like asking which of yours are the favourite daughters. But anyway, the, the three meals that I've chosen, <laughs> um, one was the first Michelin star meal I ever had, and that was at Arpege in 1988. Another was um, a dinner that Philippe Michel did for Carlo Petrini, head of Slow Food, back in 99. And then the third one was my first meal at Muguritz in 2005. Oh, my goodness. I just love that we are going back to the archives. So let's go in the order that you ate and spoke of these meals and let's go back to Arpege. Arpege in 1988. Um, it was the first time I'd been in France and um, wanted to go to a Michelin star restaurant and the date that we had was a Monday and so the only um, there weren't any three Michelin star restaurants so we chose this little place called Arpege at that stage it just had two stars and I thought oh well we'll see what it's like. Um, it was mind-blowing. So um, the first dish was the uh, chauffeur oeuf, the hot and cold egg, um, which is pretty legendary. Um, and that was a great start. There were all sorts of interesting combinations. Uh, there was uh, lobster with turnip. Uh, there was crab in cabbage rolls with salmon blood sauce. Um, but the thing that really um, blew my mind was the tomato dessert, the um, tomate confit avec uh, du saveur, the tomatoes with the stuffed with nuts and fruits, dried fruits, and cooked in a caramel sauce. Um, and yeah, using tomatoes as a um, fruit for dessert in those days was a bit unusual. Um, and it was just an absolutely incredible meal. And we had a, a great time. And so, yeah, I've been back a few times. And, um, of course, when Monsieur Passard came to Australia in 2017, I had to go down to Tasmania to, to check that out too. Yeah, well, we were at that amazing lunch together um, near Launceston uh, with Alan Passard. And, of course, his restaurant has now had three stars, but I don't know how long. It's certainly a pilgrimage for many people, one that I haven't been fortunate enough to take uh, yet. And, um, I mean, one of the things that Alan Passard is known for is his, his use of vegetables. I mean, he really 
was went pretty much all veg at Arpege for um, a long period. And it's it's it sounds like you know that tomato dessert that you speak of might have been part of part of that culinary quest. Yeah, I think he he certainly used vegetables differently. Um, than a lot of other people back in the 1980s when he first set up Arpege. But then, yeah, what was it, about 2000, 2001, I think he went all vegetarian. Everyone thought he was an idiot because he um, had a, a three Michelin star restaurant and people just couldn't believe what he was doing. But uh, it stood the test of time and uh, the the meals with just vegetables there, he, he does some really, really creative things with vegetables there. Um, just love it. Mm. I remember I interviewed him when he was in Tassie and I just, it's so nice. He's such a great person to talk to about food and and the way he puts dishes together. And I just, I often think about the way he talked about colours of vegetables and, you know, the way that certain foods just sort of tell you that they want to be together. It's like he really (laughs) converses with, with vegetables, I reckon. Yeah, he does. And I think with the, uh, the thing with colours too, he's an artist and so he does a whole lot of painting and um, so he has a, a great eye for, for colour and combinations. Yeah, definitely. Oh, wonderful. What a fantastic um, landmark on your first trip to France, Jeff. Um, okay, what was number two? Number two was a slow food dinner that Philippe Michel did in a little private dining room at Langton's downstairs um, back in 1988 when Carlo Petrini came to Australia. Uh, James Broadway um, at that stage was head of slow food in Australia and James had invited Carlo out and um, I was very fortunate to be invited along to this um, little dinner that was put on. Uh, James had organised a whole lot of winemakers from around Victoria. Um, uh, James Halliday uh, was there. Um, Rick from Jaconda, um, Michael Dillon from Bindi, uh, Fred Pizzini, uh, Ron Lawton. Um, there are all these great winemakers there, and I got a, a Guernsey because I had some interesting old white wines in my cellar that I think James knew about, and so um, there were a couple of couple of. Um, Wines. One was uh, 1970 Lindemann's Chablis. It used to be called, oh, I can't think of the name, I've been 3875 from memory. And then there was another 1984 Mount Pleasant Lovedale Semillon, which were, well, the 1970 Chablis was at that stage um, nearly 30 years old. And I think that it was still drinking really, really well. And that blew uh, Carlo Petrini's mind, the fact that we in Australia had the ability to produce wines like that. So that was a, a great meal. Um, and Philippe excelled himself with the, the food, of course. So, I mean, there's so many legends in that room, Jeff. That sounds incredible. And what a thrill to be able to open a bottle of wine that you'd sell it yourself and to blow, blow people's minds. That's extraordinary. So, yeah, Philippe Michel, you know, for people who don't know, he's just such an extraordinary figure in Australian dining. We're so lucky to have him here. He came out to Australia to open um, Paul Bacuse or restaurant Paul Bacuse at Daimaru. Um and he was cooked a long time at Langton's in Flinders Lane. And then James Broadway, who we've had on the podcast, is now one of the owners of um, Osteria Tedesca on the Mornington Peninsula and has also been, you know, a, an extraordinary figure in in local 
I guess, wine service and, and restaurants as well. Um, do you remember anything about the meal that was served on that on that night? Uh, one, one of the things was a, um, a pigeon breast um, and sweetbread dish that was served with a, a Rouenet sauce using the, the blood from the, the pigeon carcass to produce the sauce. Um, that was one of the things, um, but yeah, it was it was just un- unbelievable. And then um, it was at a time when Nick Haddo and Will Studd were planning on heading off to um, Italy and France, and we went to Bra and met up again with Carlo Petrini in Bra at the Slow Cheese event. So it was all pretty remarkable. Are you a person that keeps menus from things like this and files them away? I do. Um, I can't. I can't find the, <laughs> the menu from that night just at the moment. But no, no. That I'm just wondering. Yeah. One one thing I do remember from that night was um, I uh, purchased a book, Australian food. I think in celebration of um, a new cuisine or something along those lines. Alan Saunders had written the forward to it, and I had a number of chefs that had signed it, and then all the winemakers signed it, and we gave it to Carlo Petrini, so that's in the head of Slow Food, or the Slow Food Library back in Bra at the moment. So that was pretty special too. That's so nice. Wow. That's so thoughtful. Well, Philippe is one of those people. I remember the first meal I had at his restaurant when he was at Paul Bocuse and um, he did the um, red mullet with potato scales, which I know you have had a a bash at trying to recreate. It's not easy. No, there's a few few little secrets that... um, you, you sort of need to know about with um, cooking slowly and um, they use uh, silicone paper or something like that to help stop it from sticking to the pan. So you need to know all the secrets anyway. I almost love trying those really chefy dishes and completely failing at them because, you know, it just reminds you why you need restaurants. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's, I mean, it's fun to try. So that dish, it's, it's so famous. It's like you make little circles out of potatoes and as though, as though they're fish scales and then like, you know, lay them over one side of the fish and then you try to cook it and you flip it and it's all supposed to be, look like fish scales. And of course, mine just looked like one pile of potatoes and a semi-cooked fish. But anyway, um, yeah, no, it still tasted good. Uh, Okay, so, Jeff, we've been 1988 in Paris, 1998 in Melbourne, and where are we going next? Uh, So Mugritz on the 9th of October 2005. Uh, Tony Tan organised a tour to Spain and we went to Mugritz. It was the first time I'd been to Mugritz and it was, as much as anything, it was all the theatre of the service from uh, the head waiter there, Jose Ramon Calvo. Um, It was just absolutely brilliant. Um, The food was superb. Um, we got to meet Anthony, um, but uh, there was one of the dishes. One of the things that started off was a a little berry that I think was a South American fruit, and we were given this berry and just put it on your tongue, and it just numbed your palate, and you thought, oh. God, how am I ever going to be able to taste anything for the rest of the meal? But it all it all wore off after a couple of minutes, and then you were able to get into the whole um, meal. And uh, there were some wonderful dishes. There was a uh, some superb foie gras with uh, an old Oloroso sherry. Um, 
there was a the dish that um, I remember most about was uh, with theatre was Jose came to the table with these two pieces of uh, charcoal and sort of banged them together so they made a loud noise and he said oh now in the kitchen here we've worked out how to um, cook these long and slow and soften them up which was all rubbish but anyway <laughs> it was all a theatre so what happened was they had um, some I think it was cassava cassava root that they had put um, either squid ink or charcoal or something around the outside ash around the outside so that it looked like this piece of charcoal that you'd seen previously or a piece of charcoal but when you cut into it, it was nice and soft and um, delicious there was a, a dish um, of torrijas which is like the Spanish version of um, French bread which was just divine um, there were so many things. I remember the a dish with borage, borage stems and borage flowers. Um, we actually have, I actually have photos and I made it into a collage. I've made a, a, um, a collage to put up on the, the wall and that's down in the, the kitchen at the moment with all the different pictures from that, that day at Muggeritz. But probably the most important thing on that day was we met Dan Hunter because Dan was the head chef at Muggeritz at that time and so that was the start of a, a great friendship and um, certainly lots of meals with Dan Hunter have um, occurred since then. Wow, that's amazing because I think he was the head chef at Muggeritz for about three years, wasn't he, before? Yeah, something like that, yep. Something like that before he returned to Australia and now, of course, he's at Bray and doing incredible things there. I have been fortunate enough to eat at Muggeritz and also had a really great time. And I think, yeah, what I remember probably most strikingly other than the food is just is that playfulness and that, that's, that sort of real delight in um, building up expectations and then, you know, taking a detour and turning it, turning it all into something else. There was a real, a real sense of fun. And I think it's, it's possibly that, that, you know, has been, you know, has traveled internationally as much as anything as regards the cuisine from Muggeritz. It's, um, just that real delight in innovation and creativity. Yeah. One of the, one of the memories I have was a, a meal, I think about 2014 when, um, they had a dish which involved using a mortar and pestle to help um, grind up some of the ingredients for a soup. The first time we had the dish, it was just sort of brought to the table um, and everyone around the, the restaurant did it at different times. But then they had worked out that they got everyone to be served this dish, even if they were, it was served at different sort of times during the actual menu, everyone was served this dish with the mortar and pestle. So it was a bit like working on the chain gang. There was always bang, bang, bang right through the whole restaurant. It was amazing. Absolute theatre. That is so nice because it's such a spacious dining room. You really do have the sense of, you know, being in your own world and having your own experience there. But that must have been such a really beautiful way to bring everybody together. It was, yeah. Everyone started laughing after they sort of realised that we were all hard at work creating our own lunch. When I was there, which I think was 2015, um, Kylie Miller, another Australian chef, was working there and, you know, she was known in Australia for her dessert work and pastry, but she was there on the fish section. And I think she was just really loving being thrown in to something completely unfamiliar 
and yeah, working with all those different fish up in the Basque country in the north of Spain. Um, it was just, yeah, it's definitely a restaurant that so many people have, have worked in and gone through and, and come out with, you know, incredible, I guess, energy and ideas. Yep. It's a great place. Wonderful, Jeff. Well, you have taken us around the world and through time. I'm really appreciative. Um, yeah, it's such a pleasure to get your perspective on dining. And again, I thank you for the enormously difficult uh, task of coming up with just three meals to talk about today. Thank you so much. Thank you for the invitation. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.